0: When the brain is so high-functioning and when we are go, 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 and we get things done and we're on top of things, I think the body is the only place the trauma can go. It's the only place where we'll allow it to go because we're so f- high-functioning. We're not going to slow down. We're gonna not, We're going to go to work. We're going to feed the kids. We're going to do what we need to do. But the body keeps reminding us that there's a cost to all of that and that there's a cost to trauma.
1: Today, we are bringing you a very special episode with a guest host, Liz Bear, acupuncturist and co-founder of Capital Integrative Health. I am Dr. Andrew Wong, the host of this podcast and co-founder of Capital Integrative Health. This podcast is dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding the root causes of both disease and wellness. We are expanding our podcast to include conversations that explore into all facets of the mind, body, and spirit. Here is Liz Baer to tell you more about today's episode with Brooke Braylove on trauma and accelerated resolution therapy.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Liz Bear, and I'm excited to bring to you this conversation with my friend and colleague, Brooke Braylove. Brooke is a local psychotherapist with over 18 years of experience, helping her patients to better understand themselves and cultivate the authentic life they've always dreamed about. She's a certified Daring Way facilitator, based on the research of Dr. Brené Brown, an ASECT sex therapist, and an accelerated resolution therapy practitioner. This is an insightful conversation about trauma and how Brooke uses accelerated resolution therapy, also known as ART, with her patients to see them transform their trauma in powerful, efficient, and enduring ways. We talk about why art is different from other common therapies and why it's an excellent option for those looking to rapidly transform their traumatic experiences. Before we jump in, a note about our content. This podcast includes general discussion around topics such as sexual abuse, eating disorders, and gun violence. This content may be difficult, and we encourage you to take care of your safety and well being. With that in mind, please enjoy our conversation. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be here with Brooke today to share how she's helping patients heal from trauma and other difficult-to-treat disorders, but also because it's a conversation between two old friends who've known each other since third grade.
0: Yes. Hi, Liz. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to be here with you too, Brooke. We've been friends for literally 40 years. Wow. That's...
2: That's really hard to believe.
0: Yeah, I know, and we reconnect. We were close at different points in growing yeah. up, and then yeah. we reconnected when we were both pregnant with our firsts.
2: Yeah, it makes me think about how we've been through a lot of pretty big life transitions together. And um, you know, our kids are exactly the same age, mm-hmm. and we got married almost around the same time, yeah. And then we found ourselves in the world of taking care, well, taking care of people, supporting people really yeah. on their pathway to feeling more whole and integrated as they walk through the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been really fun to see your journey yeah. um, and to have it, you know, kind of be parallel to mine in, in some yeah. ways, a little overlap. Yeah. Um, but obviously both of us just focused on helping people heal emotionally and yeah. physically.
2: Yeah. And I think too, you know, knowing you for so long, part of what's been really beautiful about our relationship is that we do that with each other. And I think we also really learn from one another about how to, you know, we get to apply what we've learned in the treatment room and then also what we learn with being good friends to the work that we do and then to our families and other friends
0: yeah I mean I absolutely adore you and our friendship and you know how intimate it can be and rewarding and we may not be in contact all the time or necessarily even completely regularly yeah but when we connect it is such a beautiful deep connection right away and I I really love you for that
2: (laughs) I love you too Brooke (laughs) so Thank you. And um, thanks for being here and making time. I know you um, are really busy right now. You've got a lot going on and you're learning a lot and you're teaching a lot these days. And um, I hope that at some point we can have you back to talk about the other work that you're doing. Um, She's doing work with um, some of Brene Brown's um, trainings. There's something called the Daring Daring Way
0: or Daring Greatly, I think. Yep, my to uh, Daring Greatly uh, Women's Weekend Intensives, which is Mm -hmm. Brene Brown's Shame Resilience Curriculum, which is super powerful work.
2: Yeah. So at some point, it'll be fun to have you come back and talk about that because that's another topic that I think we can all relate to, which is what it feels like to feel shame. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And vulnerability and and how hard those emotions can be for everyone.
2: Yeah, for everybody. But today we're going to talk a little bit about trauma. Um, And before we get into that, um, Brooke, would you tell us a little bit about how you
0: got into the world of psychology and what led you here? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, So I was always a sensitive kid, um, felt a lot of feelings, felt pretty deeply and I, um, you know, went to college and thought I would be doing something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I was out for a couple years. Um, I worked in low-income housing, some race relations type of work. And then I decided that the way I really wanted to have an impact is on individuals. And so I went to social work school, and then I came out of social work school, and I did domestic violence work for two years, which was really challenging and obviously introduced me to trauma in a big way and that complicated work. And um, and then I've been in private practice for 18 years. Wow. So, you
2: know, we talk about trauma. Trauma is such a popular word these days, and people talk about, I mean, even just like the use of the word trigger, it's like everywhere. It's almost like slang at this point. Yes. But for you, when you um, when you are sort of describing or helping patients understand what trauma is,
0: how do you do that? Yeah. So I think trauma, as you said, is. Is, and I, I hate using the word overused. Yeah. So that doesn't really, I don't feel that that's true, but it is certainly everywhere, yeah. right? It is everywhere. But I don't actually think it's overused. In fact, I think it's been underused in uh, clinically in a lot of ways. So when I think about trauma, I think about uh, people going through experiences in which they find that they are extremely overwhelmed fearful, feelings of helplessness. And that can be anything. So I like to think about trauma in two ways, which is there's big T, which is big T trauma, which most of us are familiar with. Combat, sexual abuse, childhood abuse, car accident, death of a loved one, those big type of of things. And we can usually spot those pretty quickly. But then the majority of the people I work with have little t trauma, and that they can minimize, oh, well, you know, I was neglected a little bit, my parents were a little bit out to lunch, I was picked up late every day from school, things like that, or I had to listen to my parents fighting a lot, but no, 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 I wasn't scared that they would ever hurt me. So they minimize that kind of trauma. But trauma has lasting impact on the body and the brain. And I really think that if we expand our definition, we're actually going to help more people. So a traumatic response is any response that is overwhelming and feels like too much for the person to handle. Mm. That's really helpful. I've thought in the past, I've thought about trauma as being
2: something where you... um, like, you really feel like your whole world is at risk. Mm-hmm. Is is that part of it, or does it not even have to be
0: sort of that extreme? Well, I think that's a great point, but I don't think it has to be conscious. Okay. So I am really interested in, you know, the body and the brain and yeah. that connection. Yeah. But I think it's so important to ask people, what is going on in your body? Or mm-hmm. when you heard your parents fight, what did you notice in your body so that you know, yeah. the body keeps the score, yeah. right? It's a yeah. really great trauma book. Yeah. But it does. It yeah. holds on to memories inside ourselves, mm. And so we need to actually work at the brain level and the body level yeah. to create healing change for people. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, you think that that's
2: part of why sometimes it surprises people when they have reactions to things,
0: Absolutely. Right. I mean, a great thing is, oh my God, why did I respond mm-hmm. that way? I feel like I overreacted mm-hmm. to that. I think people often can get at their traumas by looking at uh, whether their response fits with, you know, the incident that just occurred. And oftentimes, if it's, you know, a huge response, we can find a history there. Yeah.
2: Uh, Is there a way you could tell us about what you see clinically in terms of the kinds of responses that people have in their body when they are encountering um, either like a traumatic memory or it's hitting one of these like deep spots in them that sort of is encompassed by the little t traumas? Sure. So,
0: of course, we've all heard about fight, flight, or freeze. We've also added now fawn, which is Mm. kind of people-pleasing behavior and really trying to make everything better, Um, I think which a lot of women can relate to, unfortunately, in our society. So we are talking about that fight, flight, or freeze Okay, Okay. response in in simple terms. But I also see it show up in terms of body aches, headaches, mm-hmm. chronic fatigue, yeah. uh it can show up in terms of hypervigilant behavior, always feeling on guard, uh being kind of at an agitation. Um it definitely shows up as post traumatic stress disorder, yeah. having flashbacks, yeah. having sensations you know hearing loud noises and really responding in a fearful way if you mm-hmm. had some trauma that inv- involved a loud noise those kinds of things but but definitely ocd behaviors mm-hmm. as well okay. um, it kind of runs the whole gamut it, it's it's a lot it's a lot of different things
2: yeah it's i think it's really relevant to our patients here at cih because you know <clears throat> And I don't think that we've ever done any kind of poll, but I think at some point, you know, Jen and I were talking about doing some sort of poll, either whether it's like an ACEs poll or some other kind of thing to to get a real sense of what our population looks like in terms of their their childhood experiences and their, you know, little T and big T trauma experiences. Because so many folks who come here are coming in with mysterious illness. Yes. And... um, Everybody is pretty high-functioning. I mean, we live in D.C., and D.C. is a very high-functioning city. Yes, We're really is. good at compartmentalizing yeah. and, you know, just keep going. Um, and so, you know, it may be, too, that even because of that, it's showing this stuff is leaking out into our body in ways that, you know, is, is, could be even, like, particular to this area. I have no idea, but, you know, I wonder about that.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it's particular to DC, but I definitely, definitely think um, that when the the brain is so high-functioning and when we are go, 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 and we get things done and we're on top of things, I think the body is the only place the Mm -hmm. trauma can go. It's the only place we'll allow it to go. Because we're so f- high functioning. We're not gonna slow down. We're gonna not, yeah. we're gonna go to work. We're gonna feed the kids. We're gonna do what we need to do. Yeah. But the body keeps reminding us that there's a cost to all of that and that there's yeah. a cost to trauma. Yeah. And
2: our mind, um, you know, again, high functioning people, we're, um, we're, pretty good at putting things in the box and and rationalizing our way out of like oh that wasn't I can see the big picture that wasn't
0: really that big of a deal or whatever yeah Um, and that's what I that's what I see so much of is minimization of difficult childhood experiences and a lot of people do this comparative suffering exactly oh well that Mm -hmm. wasn't that bad yeah and you know comparison is the thief of happiness And I often try to help people look at trying to hold both things. Mm -hmm. I can both be upset and not minimize Mm -hmm. what happened to me as a child. And I can hold space that there are worse things in the world. But I can hold both. I don't need to leave myself to say, that was nothing. I have nothing to complain about. I have a blessed life. That's actually gets in the way of your getting the help you need. I see so many people who, quote unquote, have it all, yeah. but something is missing, yeah. something nags at them, yeah. and they should not minimize what they feel inside, right? Yep. Trauma, depression, anxiety, happens to all of us, no matter whether you have one dollar in your bank account or one million,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or whether you were blessed with kids or not blessed with yep. kids. It all matters. We matter. Our stories matter.
2: Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That means a lot to me personally, and also just for all of the folks that we see, you know, just as a reminder that, you know, what, what we are experiencing is true, and also to, to, us, to empower us to not gaslight ourselves, actually, you yeah. know, even out of um, what we're really feeling. Because there is this culture too. We live in this culture where there's a whole lot of talk about trauma and like you were saying, you know, we it's almost like we need to be talking about it because it's been minimized. But we also have this culture of toxic positivity. Yes too. Which is yes. like, you know, I mean, you hear you hear someone come in, they're like, Well, you know, I just know that like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let it get me down and I'm gonna just, you know, like do some gratitude prayers and that's going to help me deal with this situation and of course that's really useful but like you're saying if you're if if you're still feeling like if your body is breaking down and you're having it's hard to kind of move through the day it, gratitude is is not quite enough yeah. you know that's that's something maybe that we we do in conjunction with dealing with like with
0: actually going into what's really happening yeah i mean um Toxic positivity is really frustrating um, and, and can be hard to work with. Um, and again, I think that's re- I think it's really different than like optimism. I do not think those things are the same. And um, I think what can be important to remember is you have to be with yourself first. You have to feel your feelings in order to move through them. That is unbelievably painful unbelievably hard and it's the only way yeah well that's a good segue to talk about sort of how we have
2: traditionally dealt with trauma and even difficult things like OCD um, and then what we're seeing in the field now mm-hmm. what do what you what are you
0: noticing yeah so I think the, the field of, of trauma is changing mm-hmm. um, many of the approaches involved extensive talk therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of exposure therapy where the client had to relive the experience over and over and over mm. again, mm. which actually can be re-traumatizing. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, the CBT, um, lots of things about changing your thoughts about the trauma. Um, and what we are really seeing now is that those all of those approaches have limitations. Mm-hmm. And again, now we're much more focused uh, on the body and the brain rather than the thoughts and the feelings necessarily. So someone with a traumatic, you know, event can talk about it ad nauseum, and they will not necessarily feel better. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not helpful, and for some people that will be enough. Mm-hmm. But for many people, especially with complex PTSD, yeah. multiple occasions of trauma over and over again throughout their lifespan, we got to get at it another way to mm-hmm. move it through.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I know I have some other therapist friends who do sensory motor processing, some who do somatic experiencing. I know there's EMDR. Um, some of the listeners know that I've been, um, I've del- delved into the world of psychedelic medicine as a way of um, working with trauma. What brought you to art okay. in particular? And yeah. can you tell
0: us what it stands for? Yes. Okay. So, art stands for accelerated resolution therapy. And I have been practicing art since I was trained in uh, 2018. Art is an evidence-based treatment modality that uses rapid eye movement and voluntary image replacement to change the way the brain stores traumatic images and sensations. It is the most exciting thing I have done in my entire career I light up when I talk about this because I have never been more hopeful about a modality in my life. It is absolutely extraordinary what I see in front of my eyes within 60 minutes. So art basically is a a brief treatment. That's one of the wonderful things about it. It usually only requires one to five sessions that are usually about 60 to 75 minutes. Mm -hmm. What differentiates art from other treatment modalities is you do not have to talk about your trauma at all if you don't want to. Wow. So I can literally get a phone call from someone, Mm -hmm. assess a few things, which I can talk about later, and uh, they can tell me a little bit about the problem they want to address using accelerated resolution therapy. I can see them hear no real details about Mm -hmm. what actually occurred to them, Mm -hmm. and I can help them find lasting, radical relief from their symptoms. That is amazing. Yeah, I mean, look, people describe it as magic for a reason. And the common thing I hear is life-changing, life-altering. I get people who are super skeptical. I welcome you if you're skeptical. Yeah. I would be skeptical too. Yeah. Um, but they really do feel better uh, within a very short amount of time. In fact, I have to say that I have never needed to see anyone for five sessions. I think wow. the most I've ever worked with someone on a sort of particular traumatic incident or a particular uh, mental health issue is about four sessions. Wow. I mean, uh, that sounds... Remarkable. I mean, truly remarkable. Yeah, it is, it's really exciting. Um, And again, I think what we're looking at is using uh, negative images that we have in our brain and the sensations that then come up along with those negative images. And the bilateral brain stimulation replicates REM sleep. Okay. And during REM sleep, that is when our memories move into the sort of more you know, permanent side of our brain, the long-term memory. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we replicate that REM sleep with the calming eye movements. Many people find them extremely calming mm-hmm. and relaxing to mm-hmm. do. And we change those images. The client is completely in control of the session. Mm-hmm. They make up a new story, a new way they want to imagine it, that it had happened. Mm. And then we process negative sensations out using wow. eye movements. They find themselves feeling positive by imagining their more positive scene. Wow. And then those get stored in the brain. So where you are literally changing your brain every hour you do Wow. Art. Okay, this is totally making my brain light
2: up also, because I'm thinking about how, um, and we won't go too far off, I, although I could talk about this kind of stuff for like hours upon hours. But mm-hmm. when we think about like the nature of reality, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there there may be multiple realities that are happening at the same time. And what I what I'm hearing when I hear that is that this allows you to almost go into a dream state exactly where you right. can in a way, like lucid dream yourself into a better outcome from your experience. Absolutely, so, so you, you, you can right go. On. You can go from like uh, being like a victim to to being completely empowered. To what w- would you say, like to be imagining yourself running
0: away or escaping or fighting off or? Yeah, I mean, or, let's take something like um, you know a, a physical assault. Okay. Um, I worked with someone recently who had been held up at uh, gunpoint. Uh, A gun was pointed at their head. Okay. Uh, In the three weeks since the incident, they had flashbacks, Mm -hmm. intrusive thoughts, chronic anxiety, could barely sleep at all, couldn't go to work, couldn't walk around their neighborhood, had trouble eating. I mean, just really shutting down. And I only needed to see him for two sessions. Okay and his symptoms completely went away. And it's exactly right, he changed his scene so that when he walked by the person who, the, the people who were robbing him, it was a group of people, instead of them robbing him, they had a wonderful, pleasant, greeting, mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. Uh, and then he walked past them, enjoyed his walk with his wife, went back mm. to his house and watched, you know, a TV program. Mm-hmm. So in his case, he basically used the interaction, but instead of it being being held up at gunpoint, it was a positive interaction. Mm-hmm. Some people will change their scene where it, you know, nothing ever happened, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I often encourage, especially women around sexual assault, yeah. I, I, I wait and see what they want to do with their scene because, again, they're in charge of sure. what images and how they want to change it. I really always say, trust yourself. Trust what comes up is the right thing. But occasionally someone will uh, do something and then I can see that the sensations aren't changing enough. Okay. Because usually when they're imagining what we call the good director scene where they change it, literally they begin to smile. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. Mm. I can see it in front Mm -hmm. of my eyes. Mm -hmm. But when that's not happening, I know they haven't quite changed their scene in a way that's going to be really healing for them. Got it. So I will often have women stand up to the person who is assaulting them, uh, fight back, flee, Mm -hmm. set a really clear boundary, Mm -hmm. and take back their power. And that usually really uh, changes the scene in a way that empowers them moving forward in their lives completely. Wow.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I know one of the conversations that often happens with trauma is like, what if I hadn't gone down that yes. alley what if I had worn something different you know like yes, you know yes. all of these things and and it's and it ends up like you feel so uh
0: responsible yeah even and though, that's one of the main yeah. things um for instance a woman who had been uh had a sexual assault at a yeah. fraternity party yeah. where she believed she drank too much. Right. She started to change her scene by just not drinking as much. Yeah. And I didn't think that was necessarily going to be healing for her. Yeah. So because she hadn't done anything wrong. Right. And so I felt that that was actually just going to um, keep the guilt inside her body. Sure. So instead, again, she set a boundary. She said no in a forceful, loud way, yeah. she ran away. Yeah. But I didn't want it to be that she needed to change her basic behavior. Sure. Because she did nothing wrong. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. I've seen in psychedelic therapy, um, memories come up for, you know, recovered, um, trauma show up and, what can happen in that kind of situation where you see like a real big resolution of things is when that person is back in that place um with autonomy Mm -hmm. and are able to almost complete the body responses that they couldn't do in that moment so you know oftentimes like we say like we freeze there's a couple of different things like either we fight and the fight didn't Complete, and you know, we didn't get to get away, or the freeze shuts down, and you kind of dissociate from your body, or mm-hmm. all different kinds of things. And they'll go back, and they're able to complete the action. And as they've completed the action, the body feels complete. Yeah. Is that sort of what you're seeing too?
0: That's absolutely what I'm seeing. And I think, again, what's really important about um, art is that the last word, or the second word, is resolution. Okay. So art differs from some other... Uh, brief treatments, especially trauma treatments, because there's literally resolution at the end of every session. Wow. There's nothing left untied. And again, I think it's also important. So the so the founder of Accelerated Resolution Therapy is Lainey Rosenzweig. And in 2007, she took a training in EMDR and really liked it, but just felt she could improve on it. There were so, just some things that she didn't feel really needed to be there. And so art differs from EMDR in in several ways. First of all, it is uh, much more time limited. So again, one to five sessions. EMDR, although certainly can have amazing results, usually takes longer, more sessions. The other thing is that, again, in art, you don't really need to talk very much. Uh, The third thing that Is how it in a way that it's different is that we don't work as much with thoughts and feelings as much as images and sensations. Okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, The other part, EMDR is sort of free floating. You kind of let the session unfold and let the client kind of take you where you need to go. Art is actually quite of a specific protocol which I think allows it to move through and, again, toward that resolution in a more concrete way and really allows, especially once you've already had one session of art, you know exactly what to expect. You know the exact process. And it's a little bit more specific and I think, um, again, has that resolution, which is really important. We don't want to open people up to their trauma and then say, see you next week, and there was no resolution. That can actually be extremely destabilizing for clients. Absolutely. Um,
2: Absolutely.
0: The one thing I haven't mentioned is what does art treat? And so I do want to say that. that. Yeah, Yeah. please. So again, clearly trauma, right? That's the Mm -hmm. obvious one. And the obvious uh, mental health condition resulting from that is PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, complex PTSD, again, Mm -hmm. where there are multiple, multiple traumas. But it can also work for depression, anxiety, Mm. insomnia, addiction, OCD, eating disorders. Mm. And so we can find relief because we often, if someone is clinically depressed... We do what's called like a typical day script where they imagine a typical day living with depression. Mm, mm -hmm. And then sometimes we ask them, when have you felt this way before? And we can find that the depression may have roots in childhood and something may just come to them in the moment. And then we use that also to, again, just out-process these uh, negative images and sensations that are associated with the depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've, I've lived with depression. Um,
2: I think about it differently now, so I almost don't even want to define it that way, but mm-hmm. um, it's been a part of my experience mm-hmm. for a long time, and it has such a physical sensation. It's amazing. Like, when that physical sensation shows up, it sets off a whole um, a whole series of thoughts Thought patterns that come with it. And even sometimes, I think, and I noticed this actually, I'm bringing this up also because I noticed this with with my clients and patients here, which is there is even a fear, like you feel a sensation that could actually not be the onset of depression, but it's so similar that it sets off a sense of panic or. Dread and it almost can like even like kick it into gear, yeah, absolutely and people com people uh, talk about that a lot in in the treatment room, which is like the fear of of it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean the fear of oh my gosh, there's my my depression's coming back. Right, um, right, can be huge, and so we just work with any feelings that come up using these calming eye movements. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the more open a client can be, Mm -hmm. uh, the better. More open to their own mind, more curious about their own mind, and you know there are actually very few people who don't qualify for art. Mm -hmm. So. In order to, to do Accelerated Resolution Therapy, you need three things. Okay. One, you need to be able to hold a thought or an image in your mind. Okay. Two is you need to be able to do rapid eye movements, so it doesn't necessarily bode well specifically for people with major seizure disorders mm-hmm. or a recent concussion, something mm-hmm. like that we probably wouldn't want to do. And then the third is they have to be motivated to change. If they are not motivated, if they came in kicking and screaming, it won't work because mm-hmm. this is all about your brain creating a different story. Mm. So sometimes we need to also look for, are there secondary gains by someone staying stuck with sure. this depression or staying sure. stuck with their eating disorder? Yes. And we need to, sometimes they'll say, oh yeah, I really want to change. But then you'll see that actually it's working for them in some way. And this mm-hmm. is, of course, all unconscious, right? Secondary gains are totally unconscious. Most people say, of course, they want to feel better. Yeah. Of course, they don't want to binge and purge, yeah. you know, for instance. But what do they get out of it? How does how do they unconsciously think it keeps them safer or in control? Sure. That kind of thing. So we also have to assess for that. But honestly, it, it can work for a lot of people. And a couple things that are super mm-hmm. cool is that, um, art can be done virtually or in person. Mm. I actually worked with someone recently and she had come in for a few sessions in person doing art, felt great, and then one day um, she was sick and so she said, I'd you know, rather not come in. And so she did it virtually mm-hmm. and then I said, "You know, what do you think? And she said, I prefer coming in person mm-hmm but it worked equally well. And that was really exciting to oh, me yeah. because I can help so many more people oh, if yeah. it's done virtually. Wow, that's incredible. And also children can do it. Huh. Um, again, not super young children, but I have worked with people who are 12 and 13. Okay. And again, as long as they can you know, hold a thought or an image, they can do art. Wow. I know there's like a very,
2: very um,
0: unique subset of people who
2: aren't able to uh, to visualize.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really come across that yet. Mm-hmm. I have had people who, um, you know, have trouble sort of grasping a scene. Okay. Like where they only can see like sporadic images instead of like a start to finish sure. scene. Sure. But we say grab any images you can. Okay. And also I think what's extremely important, right, is people say, how could I do art? I... I don't remember my trauma. Right, right. And that's okay. Okay. Again, you just grab onto any images that are there and any sensations that are there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have kind of a vague sense of something or they will were told mm-hmm. they experienced a trauma sure. at a very young age where there really isn't memory. Sure. They can still work on that.
2: Yeah, and it sounds like, too, you know, um, again, since each individual has a way of um, denying or accepting their life experiences, right? Um, That if there's patterns of behavior that end up causing distress, right? That that could be enough to work with because a lot of times it's like the same um, character in a different costume. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Throughout time and then through a lot of work, whether it's you know different type of um, psychological techniques or psychedelic medicine, you start to be like, oh my gosh, that's the that's that's the same thing that showed up this way and that way and yes. that way and that way. It's all the same thing. Um, it just shows itself differently, so it, it distracts me. Yeah. So it sounds like this is one of those ways that you can even work with like just a pattern of behavior Absolutely. that causes distress.
0: Totally. I mean, I, I love working with people who say. Mm-hmm. Why do I always do X? Why do I always choose women who are unavailable? Or why do I always uh, take jobs that are, you know, beneath me and not live up to my potential? We can work with all of that because it has traces. You're always going to find traces somewhere along the line. And that is totally empowering for people. Well, this is so exciting.
2: Is there, I'm wondering if there's anything else that we haven't touched on that we want to talk about. I mean, one one thing I was wondering is, um, I know you've been working in the world of, of shame as well. And so I have a feeling that you can apply art to shame, which can be just, those feelings can be so difficult to work with.
0: Yes. And as Brene Brown says, shame is a f- full body immersion has Um, a posture it has it's all of these things absolutely so yes shame is a great thing we can work through as well um and I guess I just want to say you know again pay attention to your little traumas not Mm -hmm. just your big t's but your little t's because you're qualified for art as well Wonderful. um and so it doesn't have to be some huge trauma it can be you know a, a mental health issue that you're just really struggling with and mm-hmm. feel stuck. So again, I love talk therapy. I've been doing talk therapy mm-hmm. you know in private practice for eight, 18 years. Yeah. I love it I love being with my patients. I love hearing their stories mm-hmm. but sometimes mm-hmm. they really get stuck. Sure. And so this is just a totally different way of approaching. So what's really cool is I, I've i worked with people, you know, for 10 years, but they're stuck in sort of one particular way. Yep. And we do art, and they have relief that, again, lasts. They feel better in the moment. Wow. Um, we do something, we use something called an artometer at the beginning of the session where we... Um, rate their level of intensity of difficult feelings. Okay. So someone could come in with being at a 10 mm-hmm. of, you know, 10 out of 10. These are the most intense feelings that I cannot handle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And within 60 minutes, they can go down to a two. Okay. Wow. Which is, wow. you know, almost yeah. the least intense yeah. feelings. And then that lasts, that wow. works. That changes them forever. Wow. So you don't need, like, maintenance art? Not necessarily. Um, Now, one thing that can happen is when you deal with one incident, Mm -hmm. the brain may make space now for other memories to come forward. So I look at it as they're layers, um, but not necessarily maintenance, no. Okay. Wonderful. The last question I
2: I wanted to ask you is, it's sort of like a practical question, and it's in regards to, um, you know, there's been times, I haven't done EMDR before, um, however, I've sent my, my patients out to different folks, and uh, from what I understand, and it may be just particular to the practitioner, but um, EMDR isn't something that you, like, jump into right away. What I have seen with folks is that, you know, they need, a few, like,
0: they, they work towards it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Can you jump into art? Absolutely, okay. you can jump in. Um, if you are actively in a dissociative state, okay, not so much, okay, right. So that is someone who we don't want people to dissociate so much that you know it sends them into you know an incredibly difficult episode. Mm-hmm. Other than major dissociation, absolutely. Mm. So there was. I did some. Uh, pro bono work for a community Mm -hmm. in the D.C. area that was recently impacted by uh, a school shooting. And I worked with about 15 members from the community. I worked with parents, teachers, and students. Mm. I worked with some of them the day after the shooting. And we could work right away to um, address those difficult, difficult flashbacks, images, Um, lots and lots of hypervigilance, general Mm. anxiety. And literally, I, again, saw them get better right away. Wow. So that was a really, really powerful experience. And again, 12-year-olds to 70-year-olds I worked with. Wow. Well,
2: thanks for doing that, too. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, it was my my honor, honestly. really, really. Um, Well, I think we're going to wrap up. And I just wanted to know if listeners are interested in art, mm-hmm. uh, how do they get in touch with you or find out more information? Sure.
0: So obviously they can go to my website, which okay. is brookbrelove.com. Okay. I have uh, a link to Lainey Rosen's wide TED talk on art okay. and some just basic information about it, what to expect, that kind of thing. Um, they can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Brooke Braylove Psychotherapy. And um, they can definitely go to acceleratedresolutiontherapy.com. Okay. If you're in different states, we have a wonderful uh, directory in there. They can, you can search by state to find uh, accelerated resolution therapists in your area. I, I looked actually yesterday because I was really curious, sort of in the D.C. metro area, it looks like there are about 15 practitioners, but that, you know, extends in all in the state throughout the state. Sure. Um, so we're not a, a lot, but I feel really excited about how this is going to grow and grow and grow. And even to therapists, this is such a great way mm-hmm. to differentiate your practice. Mm -hmm. And also what's really cool about art is it really can decrease compassion fatigue. Mm. So there's no doubt we are all pretty saturated right now in Mm -hmm. the mental health field, in all the helping professionals because of COVID. And this can really bring amazing satisfaction to you uh, in the session. And also it's not as Draining because you're not hearing traumatic stories over mm-hmm. and over and over again yeah. throughout the day. So it's really wonderful. Again, art says keep the knowledge, lose the pain, and it really does. Wow!
2: Thank you so much for being here, Brooke. You're so welcome. Wonderful. It's so fun to spend time with you Absolutely. and to hear what you're up to.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Liz. Okay.
1: Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps our podcast to reach more listeners. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episodes and conversations. And thank you so much again for being with us.